You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. I'm Patrice, and I'm Rachel. And today we're on episode number fifty-six. Yeah, fifty-six. Fifty-six. Wow.、Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about accents today. Yes. So not non-native accents. That's I think that's for another episode. I think definitely. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Today we're going to talk about accents within a language.、Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we could probably spend. Like sixteen episodes on accents within one language alone, but、mm-hmm. we're very ambitious, so we're gonna do at least three today. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna first talk about accents versus dialects,、mm-hmm. and then we will zoom in on a few specific accents in different languages, and then we will briefly talk about whether or not accents are going to eventually die out. But then we have a great lost in translation moment from the Queen of England because nobody else submitted their moments, and we found a really great article from the Queen of England. So、um, we have a review on iTunes that we got a month ago. Thank you to Jake Stew.、Uh, yeah, Jake wrote great and insightful podcast for anyone with a passion for traveling and or learning new languages. Thanks so much, Jake. Aww, thank you, Jake. That's so awesome. Yeah,、uh, and he gave us five stars. So, whoop, whoop. props to Jake. Yeah, cool. So let's go into some language news really quickly. Yes. Today we have the origins of the term "you guys." Yes. Did you love it? Yes, it was very interesting because I've always wondered. Yeah, me too. So in English, we have first, second. And third person, right? I, you, and he, and first and third person also have a plural form, which is、um, I, we, and he, she, they, he, she, it, they. Okay, but you, second person, does not have a plural form, and that's because you plural was always you, first person.、Uh, Wait, ever since, like, that's kind of confusing. The second. Yeah, sorry. This. <laughs> The second. I'm really excited. <laughs> the second person plural was once you. Yes. And the second person singular was thou. Yes. But it became a sign of respect to talk about a singular with you.、Mm-hmm. Kind of how in other languages you have a different formal and informal version of you. So. It became sort of rude to use thou, and so people just sort of eventually switched to you、mm-hmm. for everything. But then there was only one for the singular and the plural. Right. So they they tried a bunch of different forms of you. I have a friend from Ireland, and he says ye y e for the plural form of you.、Mm-hmm. They tried use. They tried youins. I've heard yins.、Mm-hmm. Um, You people, you folks, y'all. We've talked about is a pretty commonly accepted one, but nothing really, nothing really fit the plural form of you. In 1605, a lot of Americans don't know. I didn't know this until 
uh, pretty recently within the last year or so. Guy Fox tried to explode the House of Lords by yes. putting 36 barrels of gunpowder under the House of Lords. And uh, he did not succeed in blowing Parliament to bits because his plan was curtailed. But anyway, Guy Fox is known as like the villain of this time. Okay, so it became a holiday, and it, I've it's still a holiday, I guess. Yeah, the remember, remember the fifth of November. Exactly. Yeah. So on the fifth of November, they burn these bonfires, sort of tongue in cheek, I guess, about how he did not succeed, and then they burned effigies of Guy Fox and other arch enemies, including the Pope. Okay. And they called these effigies guys, and then eventually guys came to mean um, men, but sort of a low-class, yes. working-class men. And eventually then it meant all males who were human. So, um, And so it lost its negative connotation. Exactly. And people really thought that this use was... Helpful because you could talk about any male without any distinguishing uh, between baby or like old man. And so that was useful. And then in the 20th century, uh, around the middle of the century, it started being used for you guys addressing others in the plural. Um, so this didn't matter about gender either. So you could use it with men and women. And it's still very popular today. Mm. Isn't it interesting that we would that this guy's name actually worked its way into the language? Mm -hmm. And I always think of guy as a as a male, but it is like accepted as also female. Mm. So, huh? Yeah, I've always thought it was interesting that his name was Guy Fox, but I had no idea that you guys came from Guy Fox. No, I didn't either. Like, yeah. Uh, so apparently, this has become such an important event or non-event, let's say, in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. history that it even in influenced the language. So that's yeah, really interesting. Greatly, yes. My grandfather's wife's son was named Guy and I thought it was so weird that his name was like I was also like you know eight or something so I thought it was yeah. so weird that his name was just like man Dude. you know <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah it is weird it is weird because you would think you, you think of it just as now a common a common noun yeah but it's actually a guy's name a dude's name. Uh, a yeah. man's name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's really awesome. We have a lot to get to today, so let's keep going. Mm -hmm. So, language versus dialect versus accent. I thought it was really important that we first start with language versus dialect because the definition is incredibly murky. There's a really popular description of the difference between languages and dialects from the Yiddish scholar Max Weinreich, Weinreich uh, who heard it from an audience member during a lecture he was giving. And it was, a language is a dialect with an army and a navy. So that's actually a great description because 
Dialects are not intelligible. They're often related, but I mean, Spanish and French are related, and Spanish and Portuguese are related, and they're considered totally different languages. So, actually, there's no scientific difference between a language and a dialect.、Mm -hmm. But when you're reading an article, a writer will likely refer to the standard as a language, and everything else that's related to that language as a dialect. Right. Any deviation from What the standard is considered.、Mm -hmm. Although it is important to note that if we call one thing standard and one thing a deviation, then it does have kind of a negative connotation,、mm -hmm. where it should still be—I mean, it is still a valid form of speaking and of communicating. Yes, definitely. So that's what the writer of this article said, and I think it is important to to mention. Exactly. Actually, my mom told me something really great the other day. I was really proud of her. Somebody told her that you know there's a wrong way to speak and a right way to speak, and she said, "No, it's an agreed upon way to speak."、Mm -hmm. So accents and dialects. Then there is kind of a more clear difference between the two. Usually, accent will refer to. Pronunciation of different words and dialects have their own pronunciations, grammar, and vocabulary used within a group. But a lot of non-academic articles still might use the words interchangeably. So I thought this was a really good idea. Instead of using dialect and accent, from now on, I'm just going to call everything a variety because unless it's a totally different language. There's too much murkiness.、Mm -hmm. Accent and dialect—it's still kind of a blurry line because accent because languages are not like something that was made in a lab. It's just things that evolve over time、mm -hmm. by speakers and by common people. So、mm -hmm. then you do have authorities who try and regulate what is technically accepted and what is not,、um, mm -hmm. like. I guess is it Oxford in English? Yeah, Oxford.、Mm -hmm. And in Spanish, there's the Royal Academy of the Spanish language,、mm -hmm. which regulates each year. Does the sort of the same sort of thing. It accepts new words or new grammatical forms that are based on the way that people speak. Yeah, I think.、Um, I mean, as far as I know, German and Chinese also have those bodies, and I, I think they're. It's really interesting. They're also governed kind of according to the standards of the culture, right? So, like China, Chinese words, they don't bring in English words. They Chineseify them. So, Coca Cola is Coca-Cola, and each of those. Syllables has its own meaning, so it's like mouth can be happy, basically. <laughs> and then German brings in a lot of English words, and right? And like we've talked about in the past about Icelandic, for example, as the other extreme,、um, yeah, they don't accept in foreign words, and so they make their own words for new concepts that are based on. Traditional Icelandic roots, right, right, and they bring bring in like old words to make new ones, which is kind of fun.、Mm -hmm. So yeah, each language yeah. has its own way of regulating itself and considering what is acceptable and what is not. 
But anyhow, that's a whole conversation about varieties. Yes. <laughs> that is what we are going to talk about specifically with pronunciation today. So accents. Good. So I guess we'll start with German. German was my third language. So English, Spanish, and then German. And I spent a lot of time in Germany. It's been a while since I was there, but I really loved learning about the accents when I was there. So German's really interesting because part of the story is that the barbarians, according to the Romans, um, were what makes up that area today. And have you heard what barbarians means? Mm hmm. I'm sure that I, I have, but I can't think of it offhand. That's okay. It's it's a really great word. So in Latin, barbar means blah, blah. Oh. And so barbarians is like the blah, blah people. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I thought it, had, I so, thought it would have something to do with a beard. Oh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Mm. Anyway, <laughs> um, in Germany, then, there were a lot of different barbarian tribes speaking a lot of different languages. And so it's said that Germans united under one language, but as a result, you had a lot of different languages influencing the way they spoke uh, standard German which also, of course, would have changed over time. But um, when you had the Weimar Republic, that was the first time that all of these barbarians united under one group, which was like in the late 1800s. Mm. So uh, there are a bunch of different varieties of German. I, I want to say hundreds of different varieties. But some big groups, we've got Swiss German or Schweizerdeutsch, which is, um, we've talked about before, it's actually just a spoken language. They don't really write it down differently. They've just, um, it's mostly pronounced differently, but they all Swiss Germans know how to speak span standard German. So they'll, they'll code switch between groups according to who they're talking to, who they're communicating with. There's Austrian German which is very similar to another group, Bavarian German, which makes sense. Bavaria is in the south of Germany, and right across the border is Austria. You have a little bit of similarities between those. Partly, they kind of roll their R's, whereas mm. other German accents do like a in the back of the throat. Right. Bavarian and Austrian German do like a because they're possibly because they're close to Italy. So they do more of a trilled R. When I was studying in Germany, I lived in Dresden, in Dresden, mm -hmm. and there they speak uh, Upper Saxon as opposed to Lower Saxon, which is confusing because Lower, lower Saxon is in the north and Upper Saxon's in the south, right. but Upper Saxon is closer to the Alps, so it's higher. Okay. And in the north there are lowlands, yeah. And Upper Saxon's really really fun, like they kind of speak with their lips pursed. Also, als ich Deutsch angefangen zu sprechen habe, habe ich immer so geredet. So when I started speaking German, I always spoke with my lips together because that's how I learned to speak. And then I met some Western Germans and they were like, warum sprichst du so? Like, why are you speaking like that? Why are you speaking with your 
lips together. And I was like, oh, I can open my mouth more. <laughs> so now I speak more standard German. But I, it's so weird that that's, I, I had no idea that I was learning German that way when I was first speaking it. But that's it was just funny. because I was around a bunch of Saxonians. There's this really great song that I really want to play right now. When you listen to it, you can kind of hear that it's uh, softer. It doesn't sound like stereotypical German. She sits alone, waiting for suggestions. He's so nervous, avoiding all the questions. Yeah, her lips are dry, her heart is gently pounding. Don't you just know exactly what they think? She's speaking English, but with a Saxonian accent. And it's very different from like the stereotypical German accent. Yes. Yeah, and when they were speaking, when he was speaking German, it was a lot softer. Yes, yeah. So Saxonian German, Upper Saxonian German is a much softer version of German, and it really changed my perception of the language coming from the U.S., where it's very like <sighs> Hollywood is like, "Ich bin ein Berliner." Ach, ach, yeah, mach das schnell, things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's another variety is Berlin accent. They'll say like. Das haben wir hier nicht. We don't have that here. In the Berlin accent, it's Dit haben wir hier nicht. But anyway, it's much harsher than standard German. Okay. What about the CH sound? So I've heard different ways of pronouncing that. And where would you Mm -hmm. hear those different pronunciations? So that's like that CH, that that harsh CH sound. It depends on the word. But it's much more common in, like, the Berlin area. A-C-H, O-C-H, ach, och, uch, U-C-H. Those are standard, but the other vowels will have a soft one. Like, nicht in standard German. And they'll still use, like, ach, och, uch, but it's not as choppy, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, Berlin accent, it's cool in its own way. But it's definitely not the way that most Germans speak. Right. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's just a tiny, super, super fast glimpse into German accents. I'm sure that our German listeners would have a lot to say about them. Um, Germans are really proud of their varieties as they should be. They're like a mark of one's culture. But they're often called dialects within the language because a lot of times somebody from the north won't understand somebody from the south. And I can kind of understand people from the south because I spent a lot of time in the south. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the north and it really is very, very difficult to understand Plattdeutsch, which is low German. Again, German of the lowlands. Right. And Hochdeutsch, which is high German, is German from the highlands, which is closer to the Alps, so more mountainous. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. 
Okay, so I could talk about that for a really long time, but it's time to move on to English. Okay, so let's just preface this by saying I was originally supposed to talk about English and Spanish, but I really got sidetracked in English. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. And I I still have a lot that I think I would like to say about Spanish, but I don't think there's going to be time. Yeah. So let's just talk about English then. It's obviously our native language, so we have the most insight into that. I would say. And because I am from the United States, that's what I'm going to start with. So in the United States, there is what's called general American English, which is basically, it's hard to sort of tell what region you might be from, and it's hard to pin down what it is, but you sound American. And so part of that is the rhotic R, meaning the R pronounced how I pronounce it, R. Mm-hmm. Well, that's maybe a little bit too much, but basically you pronounce the R as opposed to in lots of forms of British English where it's more of an ah. Mm-hmm. It's not so pronounced. So, And I think people from the South uh, tend to pronounce, like extra pronounce their R's, people who grew up in the South. It can be, and that's, I'll get into some of that a little bit later. So okay, different ways of pronouncing the R. But yes, so a general American accent has erotic R. It has sort of a flat A, like an A sound for a lot of things. And what's called merging of different vowels. So before the R, a lot of different vowel sounds that would be different in British English different sounds, like we've merged them so they all sound the same. So, for example, the words Mary, the name, M-A-R-Y, M-E-R-R-Y, like Merry Christmas, and Mm -hmm. Mary to get married, um, M-A-R-R-Y, they have all the same vowel sound in American English. Mary, Mary, Mary. Whereas in British English, well, I'm not going to try to pronounce it differently, Mary... Mary. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to try to just it's hard distinguish yeah, it yeah. because for me they're all the same. And mm-hmm. as well, Maybe. there's what's uh-huh. called merger of different vowels, like the action of catch, but in the past caught, mm-hmm. and the word for a like a bed in a hospital caught are merged into mm-hmm. the same vowel sound. Yeah, as well father and bother or father and bother Mm -hmm. would rhyme in American English where they would not in British English. So a lot of the vowels are different. So instead of father and bother, Mm. let's say it's a different vowel sound, but in American English that would be merged into the same sound. Yeah. And as well, one other thing that's important is the T sound. So the flapped T. Mm -hmm. So uh, the word for H2O... (laughs) is water so more of a d sound when it's in the middle of two vowels a t sound is pronounced as a d so water ladder so the word latter l-a-t-t-e-r and l-a-d-d-e-r so something that you climb on those are homophones yes in in american english so ladder ladder Mm-hmm. So, those are some typical characteristics of American, general American English. Now, let's talk about some of the varieties. It is a really large country, so it makes sense that there are 
different accents within general American English. And I actually found a really cool video that has 50 people from different states, so from the 50 states, talking about their native accent. And there are some similarities between regions. So it's not like in the UK where you have a really small area and lots of very different accents. So there are some generalities that I'll talk about. So for example, we are from the South. The South is not uniform in any way, but some characteristics that are typical would be elongated vowels. Sometimes you create a diphthong where there isn't one in other varieties of English or of American English. It's usually slower. So things, things like I'm going down to the store. Yeah. And I'm going to find me the best darn biscuits and beef jerky. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, when I speak, I sound a lot like my mom who grew up in Pennsylvania, but I'm also told that I speak a lot slower than she does. And I think it's a combination of living in the South and really not wanting to sound like Southerners when I got there as a six-year-old. Okay. I think that's how it influenced me was I started, I just speak like more at a Southern pace. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I also do. Listeners, you can tell us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm I'm aware that I do speak quite slowly. Um, <laughs> that's pretty natural for me. Like, I can speak quickly if I really know what I'm talking about or I really yeah. have a lot to say in a mm-hmm. moment. But my general pace is, like, very slow, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Mine too. So, yes, that are, those are some characteristics. If you get closer to the deep south or coastal regions, it's a lot more, I don't even know how to pronounce, how to say it, but more airy, more huh. smooth. Like, I think of like a typical South Carolina, oh, Charleston yeah, yeah. accent, where actually some of the R's even start to fade like Mm. charleston yeah yeah um north carolina so that's north carolina yeah Yeah. the the really it's it's also more high class i would say that accent yeah Yeah, i think than like the typical like going to the Appalachia, mm, the luncheon counter yeah where it's a bit more pronounced the r Mm. yeah i think one thing you can take away is that what you're saying and what I was talking about as well is each accent or language variety also comes with its own connotation of class and um, definitely and the southern accent is a good example in in English of one that's not seen particularly well Mm -hmm. it's often seen as unintelligent or uneducated Mm -hmm. so I mean, a lot of times, you even said that you didn't want to sound like a Southerner. There's a reason. Right, right. I mean, now, of course, I'm like, huh, how rude, six-year-old me. But mm-hmm. that was just like my knee-jerk reaction when I heard it when we got there. I just, I know. I mean, it's so th- innate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even a six-year-old, like, is aware of mm-hmm. that. So that's one thing. 
Um, okay, let's go to the Midwest then. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest, you hear a lot of R's. It depends sort of where you are as well, but a lot of the vowels, I would say, are a bit more pure in some ways, but also very nasal. Mm. So, like, you might talk about going to school and... Wow, you're good at that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you get into some different accents, like North Dakota, like some o but mm. that's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about the typical Chicago accent, Chicago, uh, the Bears. Nice. It's very, like, high and in your nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which sounds really different than, for example, the way that I speak. It's a bit lower in the mouth, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't do all the accents, so don't uh, get <laughs> I know. Up. I'm like, what else you got, Rachel? <laughs> Quite good. Um, so California, West Coast, that's pretty, um, I would say it's close to standard American English, but usually in California, they speak a little bit slower, maybe a little bit more relaxed. That's the best way I could describe it. There's also yeah. like the Valley accent, the Valley girl accent, like with the up speak we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And they might say like or sound like typical, like, yeah, that's awesome, man. And yeah, they've got a little bit of a vowel shift going on, actually, which we'll talk yeah. about at the end. And that's happening in a lot of different places. But overall, they have a pretty standard American accent. Yeah. Although I think sometimes foreigners, I've heard that's the accent that they really associate the most with Mm. the United Mm. States. But I think that's just maybe it's in a lot of media. Yeah. I think it's really painful when somebody from like a big name actor tries to do like a typical southern accent and just fails like really like Mm. alec baldwin in the football movie with the brain injuries he just kept falling out of it and it was like alec baldwin stop trying to be a southern man oh (laughs) i know i've heard a lot of bad southern accents yeah audiobooks too sometimes it's like get somebody from the south or somebody who's had (laughs) yeah yeah uh, like dialect training People are going to (laughs) notice. And I'm not saying I have a perfect Southern accent either, but I can hear when it's bad. Yes. Yeah. Anyhow. Mm. So then there are a bunch on the East Coast, but sort of the main hubs would be, I guess, like New York, Boston, or New England. Mm -hmm. And there are several that I heard from Pennsylvania. So, well, New York... That's sort of like a rounder, darker vowel sound. And sometimes they start to lose the R a little bit as well. Mm. Like New York. Mm-hmm. Um, the city. Yeah. Mm. The best city in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has more of a dark sound, I would say. Yeah, and I think so. they speak a lot quicker normally. Mm. And the very famous phrase from a New England accent or a Boston accent is the. So they have a brighter sound, but also no R. Mm-hmm. So park the car and have it yad. I mean, that everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to attempt more because I it's couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We watched The Departed recently, and that takes place in Boston. And after that, I read 
someone's opinion of everyone's accent, the authenticity of everyone's Boston accent. And that was really interesting. So Mark Wahlberg apparently was the best authentic example of like a regular person. I can see that. They thought, well, Matt Damon's was obviously good because he's from Boston too, but they thought he was a little over the top. Okay. <laughs> and the comment was, yeah, we get it. You're from Boston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so Canadian accents are pretty similar in a lot of ways to general American with a couple of exceptions. So a couple of diphthongs have started to shift or have shifted. So for example, about would be like a boot. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more narrow. Um, sorry, that's the really famous one. But in a lot of ways, it's really similar. Mm-hmm. It's rhotic as well. Except for on the East Coast, like the Newfoundland accent is a bit different. It's actually considered a dialect. I'll try and find an example of that. I've heard that I had some friends from Newfoundland in Korea, and they were really, they knew how to speak it. They didn't speak it day to day, but mm-hmm. it was really interesting to hear that difference. I don't know why that is, why that's so different. Yeah, I don't know either. But for example, when I was in Prince Edward Island, people had a pretty strong accent, I felt. And mm. it sounds almost Irish. A lot of ours, like... Mm. That's cool. Which I think they had a lot of influence from there as well. Then we have the Caribbean accents, which are quite different from American accents. So in a Caribbean accent, generally, it's a bit more musical. It's a bit more sing-songy. And they're not all the same. I'm not saying that either. But they have some characteristics, like often the TH sound is replaced for a T sound. Something. Mm, yeah, true. A lot of times the H sound is dropped. So like the high school or something mm, like that. Vowels okay. are, I would say they're a bit taller. Like ooh. Mm, yeah. So all of them are a little shifted from what I would say. Yeah, it's so cool. Let's finish with North American accents then. Tell us about Chinese accents. Yes. So Chinese is really interesting because I'm sure probably everybody listening to this knows that when we're talking about Chinese, we're usually talking about Mandarin. But those of us living in China, we just say Chinese because it would be insane of us to try to learn a different Chinese language. There are seven to ten language groups in China that are often referred to as dialects. But as I said, it doesn't make sense to call them dialects because they're just mutually unintelligible 100%. It's just like the fact that all of them are spoken within <coughs> mainland China. But Cantonese, for example, is it's, is a totally different language from Chinese. The only thing is that all of them use written Chinese so that you can understand what's being communicated. Of course, the grammar is going to be different, which makes it weirder to be able to read mm. something. But if you write it down, it will be understood among the different languages, which is really cool. It should also be noted that written Chinese, there are two ver- varieties of written Chinese. There's simplified Chinese, which was instituted in the 50s on the mainland. I believe it was in the 50s under Chairman Mao to promote literacy. And it's a simplified version of what is used in Taiwan and Hong Kong and Macau and Singapore, 
which is traditional Chinese. And if you look at some characters are the same, and some characters in traditional Chinese are way more complicated than in simplified Chinese. So standard Chinese, then a form of Mandarin, is based on the Beijing dialect, and it is what all foreigners are supposed to learn when they're studying Chinese. And it's what I've learned because my Chinese teacher is from the north, but she also has a master's degree in teaching Chinese to foreigners, and so everything she teaches me comes from that. Like handbook, <laughs> this is the correct way according to standard、mm-hmm. Chinese, which is kind of fun because I live in Guangdong, and the mountainous region of Southeast China leads to a lot of variety in languages. We've talked about that before when we talked about Romansh, the Swiss language. There are a lot of different versions of Romansh, just like there are a lot of different versions of Mandarin, and also similar to German. There are all of these languages all over China. Which also influence the way people are going to pronounce Mandarin words. So Guangdong, the main minority language is Cantonese because Cantonese, coming from Canton slash Guangdong, is the main language of this area. Now I live in Shenzhen, which is a migrant city, which means people from all over China have come to live here, and it's just been developed over the last forty-one years. So as a result, you have. A ton of different varieties of the way people speak Mandarin, so I get to hear it all the time, and I really have to tune my ear to what these people might be saying.、Mm. <laughs> and a lot of times, like I'll 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 hear something and I'll be like, what what what? For example, somebody said, "Uh, 我要拍张照 and I'm like, 拍张照拍张照 I don't I don't know that word. And then I looked it up. And I was like, "That's not a word. Like, it's not in my dictionary." And then I realized she was saying "pai zhang zhao," which means take a picture.、Mm-hmm. But Southerners don't usually use "zhe che" or "she." They usually say "zi si si,"、mm-hmm. and there are a lot of words with. All of those sounds in standard Mandarin, and so the pronunciation is very simplified when you only have a, a, a handful of consonants that you're going to use. So, for example, the word fourteen in standard Mandarin is shi si, but when you can't, when you don't pronounce shi and you say si, it turns into si si, fourteen.、Mm. So that's just things that you need to tune your ear to when you live in this kind of place. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of the varieties in Chinese that I've noticed have been more in the consonant side than in the vowel side, which is more typical for the West. But that's not—that's mostly things that I notice from my Western perspective. But I think there are a lot of other nuanced differences that I haven't noticed. Another difference is that in standard Beijing dialect, especially, but also in the North, they use a lot of R. And so English and Chinese are like the the two languages that use that rhotic R that you were talking about. So, for example, in Standard Mandarin, they'll say like "jar" or "nar" or "borda," which means "jar" is here and "nar" is there.、Mm-hmm. But in the South, instead of saying "jar," they'll say "jili," and in Yeah, I know.、What? So instead of R, it's Li. <laughs> yeah, and 不知道 is I don't know, but in the north they'll say 不知道 So they just take out 知 
and they put in R. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Or idiendian. In the south, a little bit. In the north, they'll say idiar. Idiar. So wow. they put R in places where a non-Chinese speaker is going to be like, where did that come from? <sighs> <laughs> um, another really, really cool variety that I'll finish up with is the Hunan variety of Mandarin. Because in Hunan, instead of H, they'll use an F oh. for fox, for example. So fu instead of fu. But it kind of makes sense when you start thinking about it. Like, it's very aspirated. At first, when I heard hu and fu, you're like, that doesn't make sense. But actually, it's it does sound kind of the same, right? Mm. And then instead of n, they'll use l. So instead of saying something like, 我是湖南人, and they're also kind of southern. So they might say, 我是湖南人. Oh, wow. Which means I am a Hunan person. And so that was really confusing when you first come to China. And we lived at a place called Gongyuan, which means Lotus Mountain Park. And so we would say Gongyuan, and they would be like, huh? Lianhua, <laughs> Fasan. And it was like... <laughs> Uh, so it took us a while, but it's we're we're getting better. Yeah, that's got to be confusing. Yeah, yeah. I my theory about the difference in consonants is that in these places where you're yelling across rice fields, the vowels you're using are more important than the consonants you're using. Okay, so now I'm going to give a very brief overview of other accents in English which there are so many, but there's not time for all of those. So we'll talk a little bit about some different ones in the British Isles. So the sort of standard English in the UK is RP, Received Pronunciation, slash Queen's English, slash Oxford English. And that's the really like standard classic accent. But very few people really speak like that. I think I read somewhere maybe 3% of people speak like that. Then there's estuary English, which is spoken like along the Thames, sort of in the south, which is pretty close to, it's not exactly RP, but it, it's one of the closest, I think. And a lot of people speak that way. Of course, there's the Cockney accent, which is associated with being sort of a low class, working class accent mm. and replacing TH sounds with Fs. Ah, uh, yeah. Glottal stops like water. Well, uh, yeah. So stopping the sound as it's coming through your throat. Another example of H2O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Instead of pronouncing the consonant. So that's basically a Cockney accent. I would love to hear from our listeners in the UK if you guys can imitate a good Cockney accent or have it in general. Yeah, or, well, any of your UK ones because, yeah, we can't really probably do the UK accents with as much accuracy. So if you have that accent, it'd be cool to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, there are also a couple different countries. So Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, which all have their own very unique accents. The Scottish accent is influenced a lot by Gaelic. And so there are some different sounds 
for example, the vowels are a bit more pure, I would say, and sort of higher in the mouth and Mm -hmm. a little bit rounder. Yeah. I really like, do you watch Outlander? I haven't seen it, no. A lot of the people in there speak with a Scottish accent, and it's very cool. And actually, I hear some similarities between that and German, which I really like. Mm, But if you are into, like, romance drama, it's a really good series to watch, and it's fun to listen to the different accents in it, too. Oh, that sounds fun. So also, it's erotic. They pronounce the R's. Mm, The Scottish accent? Yes. Sometimes they have a different R that's almost rolled. It depends, I think, where you are in Scotland. But sometimes it's a bit more rolled than like the American R. So there are a lot of different Scottish accents. Can't go into depth about them. I'm sorry. (laughs) The Irish accent is also erotic. In the north of Ireland, it has more of a Scottish influence and more of a Gaelic influence. Um, whereas in Dublin, it sounds a bit different. So mm. they have what are called alveolar stops. This is also in the north and around Ulster. Huh. So T's become dental before R. So instead of it being like tree, you put your tongue in a different place. So it has a different sound. I guess it's like that tree tree so in the south it's a bit more sing-songy i would say but it has a lot or a lot more influence from english and britain there Mm -hmm. so in western england so also like near bristol they have more of an erotic sound too i think or like think of like hagrid (laughs) ah yeah yeah, yeah. Harry with a Harry. Mark. They yeah. have some different vowels in there as well. Totally. Yeah. In England, they've got also your Birmingham accent, the Brummie accent, the Scouse from Liverpool, Geordie from Newcastle. And these all have a totally, totally different sound. I think much more variety than you hear in American accents, and it's such a small place. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So that's really interesting. I always liked the movie My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. where the guy, I forgot his name, the old Dr. Doolittle, doing really well, um, he is able to identify like where somebody was born or where they grew up based on the way they spoke, mm-hmm. like down to the street in London. I mean, I'm sh- I don't know if it's that specific, but it is very, very like tiny groups of language variety in the UK. Yeah, that's super interesting. The northern accents do have a bit more sort of taller vowels like book, and they might do what we do. So they have some different types of merging in other parts of England. Okay, so that's a really, really kind of crappy overview of English accents. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not crappy. It's fascinating. I think there's no way we would ever have enough time to go through them, especially because we're not very familiar with them. But but there is a really great YouTube video that we should link to if you haven't seen it. I'm sure you've seen it of that kid who can, who speaks in like 50 or 100 different accents. I was thinking of a different one who's an accent coach. Oh, yeah, no, this was like a, I want to say he was like a 19-year-old dude. I think maybe I've seen that one too. (laughs) Okay, yeah. 
I mean, it's pretty impressive. But if we can find it, we should post it in the show notes and share it on social. Yeah. And we'll post also that the American people from 50 different states, like yeah. a couple different things where you can hear native speakers in their own accent, because that's really the best way to understand it. Definitely. And finally, like Australian, I think of it as kind of a mix between like a British accent and an American accent. Mm-hmm. So some, it's also non-rhotic, so they don't usually pronounce the R, so it'd be like ka. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their vowels are similar to British accents, but they have some where they make different diphthongs. So the diphthong itself has mutated or changed to a different sound. They also have, like us, they do the D sound for T's. So it'd be like water. Mmm, that's fascinating. Yeah, and (laughs) I do have an Australian friend, and she sometimes has so many diphthongs in a word that it's like, how can you make this word like three syllables and it should be one? (laughs) That's interesting. Particularly like the word no, she would say. She said it emphatically, like no. No, yeah, the word no. No. The word no is pronounced so differently in some places, and I just, I cannot imitate the pronunciation, and it really bothers me as, like, a sound person. I can't do it. (laughs) No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, anyway. (sighs) New Zealand accents are somewhat similar, but they do have their differences from Australian accents, and usually it's in the vowel. So, for example, the number... One, two, three, four, five. The next one would be sex. So a lot of those it is sounds are mm. changed to e, eh, mm. which I think is pretty interesting. And South Africa. South Africa is a complicated place because they have a bunch of different native languages. Yes. And it has a bunch of differences in class and race mm-hmm. as far as the way that people talk. So like a white English speaker might sound different than a black English speaker. But it's it's a bit more T-intensive, I think. I can't imitate this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a lot of South African friends here. So they'll be like, I'm trying to think of an example of T. Like, what's a word? Water. It's more, it, Walter, it's it's more kind of like a mix. It's There are so many different accents in South Africa. It's really, I mean, you could do like five episodes on just that. Definitely. But. So I'm not going to go into much detail, but that's, <laughs> I don't want to leave them out. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. No, but like one thing that our South African friends say that I really like is if something's difficult, they'll be like, it's a mission. <laughs> <laughs> It's a mission, eh? <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I started using it like, oh, it's such a mission. <laughs> but <laughs> So that's just a little bit about the difference in accents in English. Mm-hmm. This could fill literally an entire podcast, not even just an episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could, we could have an entire podcast on different accents in English, totally. Like, And then there's also Indian English, right? Like they have their own version. And Oh, yeah. Anyway, cool. Well, then should we finish it up with our last topic? Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Do you think accents are going to disappear over time because of the mainstreaming of all the media that we consume. Yeah, I think that's hard to say. 
as I'm not a linguist or anything, but it does seem that some accents are less pronounced than maybe they have been in the past. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that everyone is going to suddenly start speaking the same, but I feel like personally, if I had been born in Tennessee, maybe uh, 50 years earlier, maybe I would have a much stronger accent. Yeah, it is typically the older generation that has a strong accent. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, well, I think most of accents are going to die away over time. But I was like doing a little bit of research on it. And I think the way things are happening now is, yes, we are all consuming the same media or similar media, but still within different areas, we are seeing vowel shifts and local variety changes in languages. I think then what might happen is we'll have more code switching actually in languages over time. Mm. You want to say what code switching is? So code switching is being able to switch the way you speak between one group and another, not necessarily in a language, but just in the way you speak. So in the US, a lot of African Americans will speak a certain way when they're with their friends and family and then switch the way they speak to sound more mainstream or professional in career setting. Or Mm -hmm. the way, even like if you don't change your accent, you'll use different words for speaking in different places. So everybody code switches whether we realize it or not. But with accents or with language varieties, I think there still will be changes. It might be different kinds of changes, but languages change and evolve all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think more exposure to the media will result in everybody having access to being able to sound different. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, it also seems like certain parts of dialect that are not necessarily pronunciation, but maybe different vocabulary or different grammar that people use specifically like I could see that maybe that might start to be a little bit more standardized mm-hmm. yeah um, like if you think about the way older people speak mm. it's changed a lot in a couple of generations mm-hmm. or like just how people simplify grammar or yeah true one example of something very Scottish to say is I haven't the time or something like that mm, right instead of I don't have that or I haven't got in the UK I think that kind of grammar is more common in the rest of the English-speaking world with, like, older people and less common with younger Mm. people. Yeah. So, it's just, like, the shift. But I think a lot of times people are very proud of their accents. So, I think they're not going to be just gone. Right. I hope not, because it totally adds color to a language to have those varieties. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's give a few more minutes to our Lost in Translation moment from the Queen of England. (laughs) I have found this great story that I really thought we needed to share. So I'll just read it. It's from the Daily Mail. It's from 1960 when Her Majesty was hosting Charles de Gaulle, who was the French president at the time, and his wife, Madame Yvonne de Gaulle, at Buckingham Palace. And a guest asked Madame de Gaulle what she was most looking forward to in her retirement, which was coming. And her English wasn't very good, so she wanted to reply, 
happiness, but French speakers are not really good at using the the H sound. So she goes, "Epinets." <laughs> yeah, and apparently the queen came to the rescue, and she was like, "Ah, happiness." Oh, that's really good. <laughs> oh, classy. Well, thank you, Your Highness. <laughs> thank you to the Queen of England for that experience. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let us know what other accent you have in English and maybe send us a clip of yourself saying something really typical from your accent, either in English, German, Chinese, or if you want to explain another language to us. That'd be great. Yes, we would love to hear from you. And make sure you send us your Lost in Translation moments. You can do that on our website, languagenerdsdoearth.com. Go to the Lost in Translation slash contact section, and you can just record your voice there. And if you care to, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us a lot and helps other listeners who might be interested in language, travel, etc. find us. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast and help your friends subscribe to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Have a good one. Bye! Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, hello. Hello, hello. I can hello. hear you. I can hear you! I can hear you. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hello, hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello. Hello? Hello? Okay. Er, no. Hello, editing Rachel. I'm sorry about this connection problem. I love you.